Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Gunnar Kez, you are first. What's your question? I've uh, been in the military for just over 19 years. Yeah. Uh, I've been married for 15 years. Yeah. Um, we, so we've lived in a military quarter all of our marriage, um, basically. Um, I moved out of a marital house, which is obviously a military quarter, and my wife has been given notice to vacate, yeah. which is in June. Yeah. So I'm still required by uh, the military rules and regs to, to pay the rent, the council tax, garage rent, up yep. until this date, which, yeah, that's fine. Obviously, happy days. Um, I've got basically two and a half years left till my 22 years full service in the military, which mm. obviously get a military full pension, lump sum, etc. Yeah. So during the last 10 years, um, my wife, she's um, never financially contributed. Um, she, has, she homeschools our kids. So I've got a, a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. Yeah. Um, she hasn't worked for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, Obviously, differing views on that, but again, that doesn't matter. Um, what I'm at, where I'm at the stage at the minute where originally she decided she wanted to do a joint divorce, yeah, uh, joint joint application, yeah. Now she's kind of gone back on it now, and she's refusing to sign any aspect of the paperwork. Um, so I'm trying to work with her at the minute. Um, she said she needs to speak to someone in regards to financial orders and things like that. She yeah. She said she was going to go after my pension or yeah. make a claim on my pension, but I think. She's decided now she is going to. So with consent order, I think I've had a, already had an answer um, in the forum in regards to the difference between a consent order and financial order. Yeah. So as I understand it, consent order is where you both agree. That's right. Um, and okay, and obviously that's the better option going forward. Financial orders with court dates, etc. Yeah. Well, they're, they're they're both financial orders, but right. we just say that we we either have a financial order by consent or a financial order from the court. So when we talk about consent order, we're talking about a financial order, but it's just been arrived at by agreement by both of you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, and obviously on the D8 form, I would still ask whether which applicant is applying for a financial order. Yeah, so don't worry too um, much about the financial order if you're just doing the application for divorce. When it right, says okay. to you, and the D8, for those of you that are listening, is the divorce petition. When it says to you, um, you know, are you going to be applying for a financial order, you just tick yes, um, and right, then it, okay. it might say for you and for children. All that's doing is letting the court know that a financial order is going to be coming. But the court right. won't do anything with that information. Um, they're not going to, you know, stop the d- divorce from going forward until they receive a financial order. It just lets right. them know that you're thinking about making one. Right, OK. Fair enough. Thanks for that. That's all right. Um, and additionally, um, so I know, you know, Chancellor is probably going to want to, you know, she's entitled to a percentage of my pension. Yeah. Fair enough. I yeah. She'll be married. Yeah. Um, I know she's um, got inheritance coming. Yeah. Um, so, and I know... She probably, I, I don't, basically it's from her, her mum that passed away, so the thought of actually that going into the pot to be divided up, 
I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, I feel like if she's gonna you know take my pension or have some percentage of my pension, which she's entitled to, which I get. Yeah. Um, then obviously that would obviously come into play as well. Not um, not necessarily. I mean, what what you're skirting around now is is really requires some legal advice. Okay. Right, okay so yeah. we we can't assume that her inheritance that she hasn't received yet is going to be included. We can't assume right, okay. that. The okay. rule of thumb is inheritance will always be ring fenced. It's only in exceptional circumstances it's actually included, unless right, okay. she's received it. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so moving on to the topic of uh, children. Um, so I currently see my kids. I commute. So I commute 120 miles each way. So that's 240 miles every weekend. Yeah. To, to see my girls. So three out of four weekends a month. That includes a Friday, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So three out, three out of four weekends a month, I, I have my children, my two girls. Yeah. Um, and I've commuted over eight years doing that, being in the military, because she didn't want to move with me. Um, yeah. So I managed to keep the same quarter, the same house for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, so during this period as well, I've carried on paying the bills in the house. So that includes like car tax, uh, a car loan that I took out in my name in a car that she drives and I actually own a car. She's still driving that. I still, I'm still paying my loan on that as well in addition to all the other bills as well. So I'm just wondering, do the talk courts take that into account when this goes forward with a financial order as well? In terms of child maintenance, do you mean? Or in terms um, of what you're paying? Um, yeah, so I know like the child maintenance. Um, so that, that will always be, it. yeah, that will always be separate to a financial order. We generally right. don't include child maintenance in a financial order um, simply because that falls within the jurisdiction of the CMS. Um, right. okay. Whatever you are paying may be lining her up for a spousal maintenance claim. So again, you need right. to be really careful. Um, and, and whilst I appreciate that you're trying to get a few answers, given yeah. that you have got so, so much at stake here, particularly that pension, yeah. You really do need to get that one hour's advice because right, the, there's so many things that just like flashing up in my mind. But obviously, right. I can't ask you any questions because yeah. of, of the of the discord that we're on. Um, sorry, yeah, the yeah. platform that we're on. Um, okay. But yeah, it, it's try not to look at it. So, well, if she has that, I can have that. You know, if I'm paying that, then she has to pay that. That's not necessary. We, we look at it as a bigger picture than that. Um, and okay. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep it straightforward. It'd be yeah, easier yeah, if no, I was yeah, talking yeah. to you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, just in context, then. So if I'm, also, I'm trying to be as good as I can, as in trying to support her. But obviously, it's a difficult time for the kids and yeah. moving. Yeah. And still carrying on paying the bills. Yeah. So potentially, that might actually damage me going forward it, because it might seem that spousal maintenance. Exactly, because what she, what she could argue, and I'm not saying stop paying, but what she could argue is that, you know, since separation, she has come to rely upon that. So the right, best okay. thing to do is to work out what she needs in terms of spousal maintenance and go from there. We don't want to right, overcommit okay. during separation, all right? Because yeah. at, at the minute, cause I'm still paying for the house, that's the whole rent, so she doesn't yeah. pay for any of that. Yeah. Um, she's basically said, right, use that as, as what I would have been paying for the girls. Yeah. Like the 360 or 400, whatever it is. Yeah. So, it is. Yeah. Um, so she's, she's told me that she, she takes home uh, close to 900 pounds in benefits. Yeah. So I'm thinking she might not actually be declaring the fact that she doesn't have any rent to pay any other aspect at all. Yeah. Covering it. Yeah. And of course that has to be explored as well because right. upon the divorce, she's not going to be entitled to the, to the housing and we have to yeah. make sure that her housing needs are met. 
But there we go. Okay. All right. Uh, last, last bit, last bit. Okay. Uh, last, oh, sorry. Um, so basically, obviously, she currently homeschools the girls. Um, I'm looking, I should be getting posted back within, like, the region um, this year, like, hopefully September time. Um, yeah. If, I, if, if my postings come off. Um, so basically, I, I've said to her, when, I, when I'm closer, I would like to have the girls 50-50. Yeah. Um, and she's saying, because how is it going to work with homeschooling? So in my head, I could obviously have the girls 50 50 and then drop them off with her if she wants to continue homeschooling yeah so for that that school period is that is that something that, that has worked or you've known that has worked in this um, so 50 50 is is possible again we've got to look yeah. at the status quo so if the yeah. children are used to living with her and you're posted overseas and then you come back the court wouldn't automatically then say right half with dad half with mom because you haven't been in yeah. the picture for a little while it might have to yeah. be a gradual build-up unless of course mom's in agreement right okay all right okay. lovely yeah all right well yeah. i hope that's helped Thank you very much. okay bye-bye <laughs> Thank you. bye bye Haley. whenever you are ready ask me your question i've got Cascaf report back um last Tuesday. Yeah. Um just wondering, do court usually follow Cascaf's recommendations? They do. Um just before I answer that question, I'm only gonna say this, Haley, and I know that you know, but obviously we get new viewers all the time, especially on the live. So I don't want anybody thinking that I can give advice on these on, on this platform. I can't do that. What I'm doing is I'm just making suggestions to people, um, sort of signposting, pointing them in the right direction. Um now I know that you probably knew that, Haley, but I just say that for the benefit of others that might think, oh, you know, it's advice, it's not actually advice. Yeah. Um so yeah, generally, Haley, they will um follow the guidance of um, the CAFCAS report, yeah. I mean, the CAFCAS are there to be sort of the, the court's third independent party, really, and to be the court's eyes and ears. And so the court find it very useful what CAFCAS have got to say, because, of course, CAFCAS can be impartial. They don't generally take a side and they're just representing yeah. back, we would hope, what's in the best interest of the children. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're due to go to court next Tuesday. And yeah. obviously, um, it was ordered that, um, our position statements were filed to the courts and to both parties by today. Yeah. Um, his solicitor contacted me and obviously advised me that my position statement was due to be filed with her by 4pm. Yeah. However, I've not received a position statement from them. Oh dear. Okay. Um, and they've got, a, there's a solicitor on the other side. Yeah, he's got a solicitor. Okay, well, you want to be chasing the solicitor up in the morning then. You will get it, um, be, but it might just be a little bit late. But ju just chase the solicitor on the other side, Hayley. It sounded a bit suspicious that obviously they've messaged me to ensure mine was with them by 4pm. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they've not sent me it. So basically... Yeah. It feels like they've waited for my statement before they've even maybe begun but, to look at theirs. Yeah, potentially they might be playing games. They might be looking to see what your position is and then, you know, doing a response to that. But they shouldn't really. A position statement is your position. Um, it shouldn't really be influenced by the other party's position statement. But, yeah, chase them in the morning as soon as the office opens. Okay, that's All right. Great. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Hayley. Okay, bye. Rosie, what's your question? Can you hear me? I can, yeah. So we've been married for two years, but we've been together for 10 years. So yep. what happens in case probably we divorce to the previously owned property that each one of us had before the marriage? 
Um, that that depends, Rosie, really, on the party's needs and what the equity is in those properties. Um, difficult for me to say. Ten years is a fairly lengthy relationship and we would count the period of cohabitation if the marriage ended in divorce. Um, but what happens to them, um, I can't answer without knowing a little bit more. So uh, the 10 years we were not living together, um, it was a relationship, but uh, living separately. Okay, but so Ro so Rosie, sorry, okay, so again, if, uh, so what I've, the answer I've given you is that we'll, we will include periods of living together and then marriage, all right, so you said to me the relationship was, was 10 years. So, but if you've only yeah, if you've only lived together, together okay well then we won't count the 10 years the yeah so then it's only been a two-year relationship yeah living together okay so just a two-year marriage then yeah that's a very short marriage then that's not a 10-year relationship that's a very short marriage we've been together in a relationship for 10 years but married two years Okay, I'm going to say it once more, Rosie. Sorry if you're not following me. When we talk about divorce, we are looking mm -hmm. at the time that the parties have lived together. Right. So I'll leave that one with you. Okay. Does so that... will that also apply with the pension? Is it the same thing then? Yes. So then we're going to look at period. We're going to look at pension contributions made during the time okay. that you were living together. And married. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. And in case probably a will is put down, so what happens in that case? Will the will, will the will only apply in case probably one of us is not there, or? So I can't advise you with regard to wills, Rosie. I'm sorry. That well, you'll need to speak to a solicitor that does wills in that regard. All right. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Bye. Right, guys, I'm going to jump across to the divorce forum now and answer a few of your questions there. So, Kay, first question from you. Um, she posted this yesterday at 10 o'clock, so 10 o'clock last night. Kay says, hello, sorry, me again with another question. Never apologise, Kay, don't mind answering people's questions. I've had an email through today to say my husband hasn't applied for the conditional order yet as part of our joint divorce application. I know this is probably a really stupid question, never a stupid question, but he has got a solicitor to do it all, draft it up and send it. Does this mean that I shouldn't have responded online on the Gov page to say I want a conditional order? Have I messed up by responding online to that? No, you haven't, Kay. Um, you, you will be notified that a divorce petition has been issued and you've got to return the acknowledgement of service, so you haven't messed up. He just maybe has missed the date to do it. Um, she goes on to say, should I have waited like he has to leave it all to the solicitor? Not necessarily. You know, you're just doing it on time. That's fine. Um, Kay says, it now says that I can proceed as a sole applicant and change him to a respondent. Is there any benefit to this? Only that you're just moving the divorce on. So clearly he's just dropped off the process. He doesn't want to do it anymore. But you can. You can still keep going to the finish line. Um, or will it just wait until we can ever decide on our consent order? You need your conditional order, Kay, before you apply for your financial um, order. So go ahead and do that anyway. You just might not want to apply for the final order in your divorce. Um, sorry, so many questions in one go, but this is like another language and so complicated when you don't know the first thing about this whole process. I absolutely agree, Kay, but you're fine. Apply for your conditional order. 
and then um, sort out your finances and then get your final order for the divorce, okay? Uh, right, next question from Zira, and I'm still in the divorce forum. Posted this yesterday at half six, so while we we're on the Discord. Um, Zira says, my husband applied for divorce on the 4th of October on gov.uk. It's well past the 22 weeks mark, not heard anything since. We are going through the financial settlement. Does this make any difference? It may be, Sahira, that he's just dropped the ball. He's so focused on doing the finances that he hasn't got round to applying for the conditional order. Um, that's okay. Just write to him or email him or however you communicate and say, look, we do need the conditional order in place before we can submit our financial order. So you may as well go ahead and get that done. Um, but you won't lose your place in the queue, so to speak. You'll always be able to apply for that conditional order, even if you go 30 weeks, for example. It's OK. Right. Next question from Stag84. Uh, posted uh, 27th, so yesterday at half seven. Hello, says Stag. My husband and I separated in September of 2020. Since then, he has spent the majority of that time living with his mother in Turkey. We married in the UK and are both of British origin. How do I go about serving him with a petition? I've read online that a petition can only be served via email if you know the respondent's address. On other websites, it says the petitioner can only be served to their address and not via email. Thanks in advance for your advice. The important thing is, Stag, that you get confirmation from him so that the court can be satisfied he has received the divorce petition. If you do it via email and he responds to that email, great. Then he's been served and you would use that email to prove that to the court. If you send it via post and he replies to you, then you've also served him. If all that fails and he's not engaging with you, there will be process servers in Turkey that speak English. So you'll be able to contact a process server in Turkey and ask that he is served directly. And all a process server will do is take the, the petition and put it in his hand, basically, and then provide you with a statement that he has been served. OK, so that's how that will work. So I hope that helps. Um, next question from the Divorce Forum, Poppy Jane. Poppy Jane says, hi all, I was wondering if anyone knows what the hourly rate works out if you use a legal aid solicitor for divorce or finances. I have got a legal aid solicitor, but I have no confidence in them and I'm considering changing to a private solicitor who looked at my case for 30 minutes and has offered to take it on for a deferred fee. So they get paid when she gets her payoff. Now, they are around £300 per hour. So my question is, does anyone know roughly how much I would have to pay back for the legal aid versus private solicitor costs? I am not sure what to do for the best or to get the best outcome. Poppy Jane, it's a great question. So when you succeed in getting legal aid, the we have what's called the statutory charge. And what that means is that if you are successful in your finance application and you end up getting a lump sum of money um, or perhaps the property, the legal aid will apply the statutory charge. And what that means is you have to pay back your legal aid bill. All right. Now, your legal aid bill will be significantly cheaper than a private bill. 
And that depends on what the private solicitor is going to charge you. Private solicitors can start from 175 an hour, um, 200, 250, 300, 350, 4, 450. You know, if we're talking, you know, the further up north you go, there might be 175, 200. In London, there could be 400, 450. So it all depends. Your legal aid, now I haven't done legal aid for a long time, but I'm going to suggest that there may be around the 50, 60, 70 pounds an hour. So they will be significantly cheaper. Apologies to any legal aid lawyers that are watching me and thinking, I wish I was getting paid that much, Trace. It might be that I've quoted that a bit high. I genuinely can't remember what we used to get paid with legal aid. So there will be a significant difference. The, the best thing to do is to ask your legal aid solicitor um, what, what they're charging you and then you'll be able to work it out. Right, one more question in the divorce forum before I bob back into the lounge. Uh, it's from Julie. Julie posted this on the 24th of March. Hello, I will be at the 20-week stage of my divorce next week. So that's this week, Julie. Hope you're listening. Do I receive a notification from the court to start the next stage of the proceedings? Also, is there a further fee for the next stage, please? No further fee, Julie. You will only ever pay one fee, which is the £593 that you've already paid. Will you get notified? I don't know that you will. Maybe. It'll just be an email either way. But if you know that you can apply for it on that date, then go onto the portal and apply for it or, or apply for it via email, however, whatever system it is that you're using. All right. Right. Back to the lounge. Lots of hands up in the audience. Bima Mad, I'm going to come to you first. How is it I can help? Hi, uh, my twenty. If you can help me, I've been. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but I've been married uh, Islamically, so I'm a Muslim. Yeah. So I've been married yeah. to my wife for the last fourteen years yeah. Islamically. Yeah. However, we recently decided to get married legally in the UK about uh, two years ago. Yeah. In twenty twenty. So yeah. I mean, prior to obviously being legally married, I have acquired three, four different properties. Yeah. I've had four children with my wife. Yeah. I've lived with her since the last fourteen years, and everything's uh, everything everything's going fairly good. Now, because I've been married for the last two years, I just wanted to know what, what in the event of my divorce happening, yeah. what what would my wife be entitled to? Now so would I can't she be able to entitled to everything. Yeah, I can't. I can't answer that question. I'll be honest. But what I can tell you is that if you were living together, and we've just had this with a previous caller, but if you were living together before you got married, and there's every chance because you were Islamically married that you were living together for longer than two years, we will count that. So whilst it might only be a two-year marriage, this could potentially be a 10-year relationship, depending on how long you've lived together. And that's the starting point. From there then, we're able to determine who's entitled to what, okay? And ring fence potentially any premarital assets. But we are going to, if, if we've lived together and then we've had a seamless transition into marriage, we're going to count that period of cohabitation. <laughs> Right. Is that also valid if my wife has not contributed anything, like yes. a single penny towards anything or anything yes. that's required? Yes, it doesn't matter because right. the court aren't just looking at financial contributions. You know, it may be that your wife's had children and made a contribution to the family that way. So we're looking at all contributions made, not just financial. Right, got you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, thanks then. Bye-bye. Uh, Missy Kins, you are next up. How is it I can help? Uh, yeah, my boyfriend is in the process of getting a no-fault divorce. Yeah. Um, it's it's ready, apart from the financial order, where his ex-wife um, 
is claiming that he that she shouldn't have any of the debt that they've got yeah because it's in his name yeah so and she didn't work for pretty much the entire of 12 years that they were married so i was wondering how hard it would be to uh go to court and obviously let her take some of the debt so if the debt is the only thing, uh, Missy Kins, that, that they have that's in dispute, then I wouldn't advise you go to court because the court won't make an order as to debt. What he mm. is trying to do is convince her that it's a matrimonial debt, okay? And a matrimonial yeah. debt is where they've incurred the debt and they've both enjoyed it, whether it be a holiday or home improvements or a car or whatever it might be. But yeah. then it's a matrimonial debt. But if... If you don't have any assets to offset the debt, you can't just go to court about debt because the court won't make an order in, in, in just that regard. So if you've got an asset, the court can order that potentially the debt's paid from the asset and then after that, the asset's divided between them both. But if there's right. only debt and nothing else, there isn't too much the court will do. Right, okay. I'm so sorry. Okay, thanks very much. All right, you're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Jen. Ah, uh, Laura. Hi, Laura. How is Hi, it I can help? Me. That's okay. Um, it's just a quick one. So I've gone through the financial order. It's yeah. all written. Yeah. Um, everything is done. We're divorced. The children sorted everything. I just wanted just so that I know um, whether this is right or, or wrong. Um, yeah. When we went through the financial order, certain things were said um, and, and information was given that since the financial order was completed... Um, my ex-husband has sort of gone back on. Does it matter? Is it once the financial order is, is signed and sealed? Yeah. If things change or things come to light, does that matter or is it is it too late? Depends, Laura, if it changes it. So if if you're telling me that he's hidden assets and now the financial order has been sealed, you've discovered these assets, which would change the order significantly then that's definitely mm -hmm. a reason to take it back to court, okay? So it will okay. depend on what you found out or, or what's what's okay. happened. So if I just quick, quickly briefly say, yeah. so, um, so he's since given up his job um, mm. and has completely stopped all child support. So I um, he got, I've taken over the house and he got £60,000 last month, so that's all gone through. Yeah. Um, so he's um, with a wealthy woman now and they've started their own business which I believe was was in the pipeline um whilst I was going through all of this he said that he had no intention of starting businesses and um, so as soon as it was signed he gave up his job and because he's now got a business obviously there's no um saying what he earns obviously for at least a year when they have to you know submit their um is it tax yeah to show what, the, what they've earned yeah so um so basically he's, he's stopped all work the child support's finished um as soon as um it was done also i got some posts to my house accidentally which showed a joint account that he um has access to and there was no mention of this joint account um so it's mainly it's not huge assets but it's mainly just his circumstances that he's just because obviously when I, when we agreed on what i was getting from the house it was based on you know, I was I was receiving three hundred and fifty pounds a month from him, for example. Whereas that's all stopped now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just wondered 
just for my peace of mind, whether yeah. I just, you know, forget it or whether, you know, it's something that you feel that I could. If, I mean, if, if by giving up his job and he's not paying child maintenance or whatever, he's in breach of the order, then absolutely you need to take that back, Laura. Or if because what... The, sorry, yeah. because the order doesn't address child support, does it? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's in your I don't know what's in your order. If it doesn't, then you need to go to the CMS. The difficulty yeah. you've got is that if he if he's not earning anything, uh, which yeah. is which is a and really yeah that's a really crappy thing to do because these are his yeah. children at the end of the day. I mean, God, what a guy. Um, this is it. But yeah, I mean, you you would go to the CMS there. But to go back to I my mean, to my original answer, unless that yeah. joint bank account. Um, or the contents of it is going to make a significant change to the order, then I, I would suggest you don't do anything about it. it, it, that, it that's the key, yeah. you see. It's got to be an exceptional change to the order with what you found out. Okay. I mean, I don't... I, I suspect that there's a lot of money in the joint account. Um, but it, it's more for you... It's more for whether I just, you know, come to terms with, with what he's done and just accept the situation or whether you, or whether you think that it's... Where, I mean, how how much would it cost to to go to court and? It, it depends. Like I mean, I think that I think the first thing to do, Laura, is take some advice. That that's what I would say. Yeah. Rather than make the court application, you're well. You're going to be better off paying for one hour to take the advice, so that mm. we can discuss in more detail. Should you take the matter yeah. to court, you know, and okay. that the court fee is going to be dearer than the one hour advice, isn't it? And if in that advice you're told don't do it, well, that's yeah. it then. At least you can put it to bed and you know that you ask yeah. the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right Thank you for that. No problem. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. 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 Right. I'm going to bob over to the finance forum. So, uh, Garty105 posted me a question on the 23rd of March. Hi. I was just wondering how you would go about doing a prenup and what the likely cost would be would be along the lines of us keeping all our own belongings to ourselves. Whoever owns the house keeps the house, keeps her own pensions, keeps her own money, cars, etc. That will depend, Garty, on what um, prenup possessions we have. The length of the prenup is going to warrant a bigger bill, essentially, um, just to keep it, you know, in basic terms. Obviously, uh, most firms will do a fixed fee and my firm does a fixed fee when it comes to prenups and they can vary. The best thing to do is drop me an email to say, Trace, I'm looking to get a prenup. This is what I want to protect and this is what they want to protect and I'll be able to email you a quote um, because by looking at what it's needed to protect, then I know how much advice I need to give and how long the piece of work's going to take. All right, so I hope that helps. Um House devalued by X. So this question is from Lou B. Posted it today, just before we went on the Discord at six. My partner is currently in discussions with his ex-wife over the value of the FMH, which is former matrimonial home. His ex-wife currently lives there and has said the house is worth 225000 The estate agent has valued it at 230000 but said it should have been worth two fifty to two sixty. But it's filthy, full of cobwebs, bathroom and kitchen are disgusting and the house is in a state. His ex-wife is fighting to stay in the house even though she cannot get a mortgage on her own and has told the estate agent a sob story about how she will end up having to sell. My question is... Would this have any effect on the settlement? It was not in this state when he left seven years ago and he feels she has done this on purpose to lower the value. Look, 
all you can do is get a valuation of the property. If an estate agent is saying 230 and you go off and get your own estate agent valuations and they also say 230, you're going to have to accept it's 230. And regardless of the fact that it might not be a clean house and well kept, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, she's living there. Um, she's living in the house, you know, and keeping it the way she is. Um, that's all you can do there. However, you go on to say that she can't get a mortgage of her own. Well, if she can't get a mortgage of her own, she may not be able to stay there. I mean, I don't know if there's children um, involved here, but it could be could be difficult. OK, so I hope that helps. Uh, right. Next one. Martin. Wow. These are long questions. Um, Martin posted this on the 22nd of March. Currently been separated for five years after two years of marriage and five years living together before that. So a seven year relationship. I was the main earner, but she had a small amount of income from her own business. Since the separation, I've paid all her bills and my own and also provided maintenance payments on top. Ideally, I'd like to sell the house, but we have a 15-year-old child and my ex has no credit limit or earning enough to cover a house mortgage on her own. I feel manipulated into keeping the house as she claims she cannot afford a house of her own. I won't continue to read that question, Martin. I've got, I've got the gist of what you're asking me. When we're going through a divorce, the court's really keen to make sure that both parties' housing needs are met, okay? So we've got to be sure that if she's got housing needs and clearly she's in the FMH, then your housing needs are met as well. So the thing I'm going to say to you is to take some legal advice because it does seem very one-sided and the court wouldn't expect that, okay? Next one, and I'm still in the finance forum, guys, for those of you that may have just joined, is from Matt P. Posted this on the 28th of February. Oh, a little bit of a while ago. Um, I have a two-bedroom flat with an ex that I need her to either buy me out of or we sell it. I've had it valued by three estate agents and she has offered to buy me out at a lower valuation. I don't want to accept this as I want a fair price for the property. But how do I go about forcing a sale and can I do that? My son lives there with her. Um, we were not married. So Matt, to answer your the first part of your question, you can make an application to the court for an order for sale that the property is sold and the net proceeds are divided between you both. Because you're not married, she's not going to be able to get a measure order, which means that she's not going to be able to argue that she stay there until such times as your son is 18. However, she may be able to make a Schedule 1 application. And a Schedule 1 application is where, as an unmarried um, girlfriend um, or partner, um, that she says, well, look, I've got to rehouse our child and I need a little bit more than 50%. And she goes for a percentage of your half of the property. Okay, so I hope that one helps. Uh, right, I'll take one more in the finance forum. Uh, Kelly O'Shea, good Irish name. Posted this yesterday at 6.20. I need help understanding my form E, please. It says to get proof of bits, but then ex's solicitor said we swap the forms. So do I have to send them to my ex too? Or is that only if it gets contested? And there's nothing on it to say what I want from him. Also, I got money from the house already as he rushed it. So do I put that down in the savings bit? Yes, you do, Kelly. Everything that you owe... Uh, own, sorry, and everything that you owe goes on that for me. So all your assets go in the first bit and all your debts go in the second bit. It does say in section five what it is that you want. So that's where it asks you, what are you looking for? 
you'll be able to let the court know or the other side know in section five. Do you attach all your financial disclosure? That's bank statements, credit card statements, P60s, pay slips. Yes, you do. And then you will arrange a mutual date for exchange with his solicitor. Okay, so hope that helps. If if you're not listening, Kelly, or you don't get an answer to that, drop me an email. Um, but don't be intimidated by the, the for me process. And he will give you everything that you're giving him. Okay. Um, right, back to the lounge. Uh, Mo85, you're up. What's your question? Mine's around finances. Yeah. Um, basically, I finally managed to exchange for me with my ex-solicitors. And uh, upon reviewing um, uh, for me, I've noticed that there's certain um, assets that she has, I know she has, she has them disclosed. How, do you, how would you go about proving those? assets that I know she has, she's yeah. taken, and yeah. she's not just disclosed them? So you don't have to prove it. You would simply ask her in the questionnaire part, when you get to that part of the process, where are they? Where are these assets? Okay. I, I know that you have them. You've told me about them. Where are they? Okay. Yeah. That actually moves on to the next question is, we've done the four me's. Uh, yeah. We've got the hearing on in next month, yeah. the, the first hearing, but the, on the order, it doesn't say anything about the questionnaires. Okay. Um, or am I miss, or is that a process you, that comes after the No, the, the no, you, you, no you, you may have missed it, Mo. Go, go back and read, read all the, the, the fine print, um, but you may have missed it. But generally, always, in fact, we are exchanging questionnaires prior to that first appointment. And the reason for that is that the court might want to look at the questionnaires just to make sure that all the questions are relevant before ordering a date to do replies to questionnaires. Okay, is there any particular wording I should be watching out for in the, or does it say questionnaires? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. What would I say on the, on the order? It, it, yeah, it will, it will say questionnaires. Um, and, and just do them. I mean, you know, I would just write to the other side and say, right, we do need to be exchanging questionnaires before the first hearing date. Can we arrange um, a date to do that? Uh, the court will direct that you do that. It's generally three to four weeks before the first hearing date. Um, but yeah, go back to your order and, and have a look through that. Uh, okay, I'll do that. Okay. Um, one last question was yeah. around the, what pensions. Um, on the pensions bill, what I did is I just put the latest statement value on of each of my pension schemes that I'm in. Yeah. But they've used something else called CEAT. Um, it's a C like... C CETV, which stands for Current Equivalent Transfer Value. Now, you're going to have to contact your pension provider, Mo, and ask them to give that to you. That's not oh, that's generally okay. not visible on your statement. But don't worry that you don't have that for the first hearing because we can sure. we can get that in updated disclosure. So the court will just say, uh, Mo, make sure that you've got your CETV when you do your updated disclosure for the second hearing. So don't don't worry too much about that. Because sometimes the I... CETVs can take about three months to come. They're, they're not always fast with pensions. Depends, depends who your pension provider is. And is that a value uh, generally lower than what the current value would be? Uh, the no, pension value? it's, it's, oh, it's generally no. higher. It's generally higher. Oh, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay, that's all. Lovely. All right, so thanks, Mo. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Um, Metalia Cat, how are you? Brilliant. Okay, so um, I've made an application to court and I have my first hearing in June. 
Um, so I've been preparing my supporting documents for my solicitor for my form E. Yeah. Um, I'm 27 weeks pregnant with my new partner yeah. since splitting up with my ex in 2021. And yeah. we were married for nine years. Um, both of us are with new partners now. Yeah. But I left my ex in the marital home um, as he wasn't able to meet affordability to rent. I tried to put his name on the mortgage as a sole applicant and he was told that he didn't meet affordability for that either. We had an agreement between us that um, after six months of being separated and me being in a rented property, we would look at selling um, and that he just pulled out on that. We went for mediation and he told the mediator that instead of selling at this point, he wanted to have my name removed from the mortgage and the deeds. And then I obviously declined. Um, so in my, f my financial question really is in my form A, my financial circumstances have completely changed. Um, I'm due to take maternity leave in July, and I have the hearing a month. Be uh, I have the hearing a month before um, my maternity leave. So um, I've previously, before I met my new partner, had to take out a loan because I was renting out to furnish my new property, and I'm trying to financially better myself um, before my maternity leave. And I don't know if I'm honest whether I should be doing that. Um, before my financial my financial disclosure goes in on my form A, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It does um, make sense. What what I would say yeah. is that you you've only got so much, and obviously when the yeah. baby comes along, that your your okay. your income then is going to be governed by your maternity leave. So yeah. I think as long as you are reporting the picture accurately, because yeah. what I mean by that is it's not as if you can, with with all due respect, you you know, you're about to have a baby. Um, you're not yeah. going to be able to go out and treble your income in the next two to three months. If anything, exactly. it's going to go the other way. Yeah. Um, so I shouldn't worry too much about that. Just report it as accurately as you can. And don't worry as well that the for me looks completely different. They do. You know, sometimes we can yeah. be in financial proceedings for two years. So by the time we get right. to the final hearing, the position is nothing like the for me. But the forms mm -hmm. that we use all the time and update them is called an ES2. And if you need okay. one, email me and I can send you one. And that is where we record all the assets, all the debts and what our income is. So it's a bit yeah. like an abbreviated for me. That, and we and we update them every time we're going to court a day or two before the hearing. So the court gets a really accurate picture of our finances. Yeah, that was just my main question for you, really, because okay. on paper, I've always earned more than my ex-partner. And yeah. one of the reasons for me leaving him is because he wouldn't seek any work because I was bringing money into the marital home. Yeah. Um, and my concern was then going to court and on paper me looking as if I, I do earn more, yeah. but then I'm disclosing these outgoings and I think as soon as he finds out on my form e that I am pregnant with my new partner, um, he will drag it out as long as he can to make it more difficult for me, which he has done with mediation. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we can't force anyone. Yeah. I know it's frustrating. Um, the other thing he's going to do potentially is ask to see your mm -hmm. new partner's income. 
And of course, if you guys yeah. have been living together for more than six months, just just make the disclosure. It's very limited. The court want yeah. to know what he's earning and what he what his commitments are, what his responsibilities are, and that's it. They won't delve any deeper than that. Um, but okay. yeah, all, all you can do is, you know what? I'd kind of put it to the back of my mind, go through the process, right. but just just enjoy the pregnancy and then enjoy the baby. <laughs> thank you. And you know what? This oh, this this will just roll roll on. Whatever happens, it, you know, it will be what it will be. Try not to let him dominate this this period of your life because this is yeah. special. Yeah, it, it's just financially crippling for me. Yeah. I think he knows that, and. Um, you know, he always he always knew that fi- financial circumstances would be a trigger for me. I was brought up in a single parent household. He knows yeah. that money gets to me. Yeah. And I think he's using that as his bit of an ice yeah. card to try and top trumps me. But thank you yeah. for answering my question. I That's all right. It. No problem at all. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Um, Asia, you are next up. What's your question? Hi, Chrissy. Hello. How can I help? Hi, so my question is, last year in September, my solicitor made an application for divorce. Yeah. And uh, uh, my husband didn't acknowledge that. And uh, now it's more than 20 weeks. Uh, But I haven't heard anything from court. And uh, I really stuck up like that. So what's uh, uh, next now like yeah so I, I... if 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 he's made application for the conditional order which i presume is the next step because that's what happens after 20 weeks then the court yeah. will notify you that that's been made and of course if he hasn't made application for it then you won't get a notification from the court so if you're able to asia i would be going back to him to say well what are you doing we can apply for the condition well he can apply for the conditional order now are you going to do that okay yeah. because my husband didn't he pretend like that he didn't exist in this world like he didn't acknowledge he didn't respond nothing and my sister put uh, one more application for leaving order for my son. And yeah. I know my husband will never reply to court. So I am very worried about because he live with me, uh, my son. And uh, I am thinking about solo custody of my son. And can I apply for that? What law said about that? Yeah, I mean, if your son lives with you, um yeah. you you can you can apply for what we call a live with order we don't call it sort of custody or residency anymore it's a live with order you can certainly yeah. apply for it but you mentioned asia that you had a solicitor so it might be that you speak to your solicitor first because you may not need that if dad's not challenging that then yeah. the court might say well why do you want an order because dad's not challenging the fact that your son is living with you um, um just in case if yeah. I, if i want to go to outside the uk for yeah. holiday yeah so what we need for that so again you don't need anything if dad is in agreement um the court only get involved in children's matters if one of the parties yeah. aren't in agreement so if yeah, dad it's... go on sorry uh, if more than one year and he didn't do any child maintenance didn't respond nothing like he pretend that he didn't exist in this world yeah so yeah, that's why I am worried about. I want to go back 
for holiday in my yeah. back home for yeah. holiday i think i think that, it, what i need for that what documents oh, for I, that i mean if you have written to him and said i'm going to go home for a holiday and he hasn't responded i would take that as he's not contesting it and therefore you don't uh, need anything from the court and with regard to cms you mentioned there is not paying maintenance you need to go to cms in that regard uh, I see. Okay, right. so one more question. Yeah. Uh, my husband put a house on a market for for sale, and I speak with my solicitor, and I said, uh, make application to land registry for um, uh, home right for home rights, and yeah. how long it take a time uh, land registry inform to my husband for that, and how I find out land registry serve a letter to my husband so generally that just takes a week or two um from Uh when you from when you register your hr1 to them notifying your husband um Uh and your solicitor can check on the land registry if that's you know when that has been recorded when the hr1 has been recorded so have a chat with your solicitor but that's something that just takes a couple of weeks to sort out the problem is my solicitor is very like uh, he didn't respond me very uh, properly. Sometimes I very struggling with that because I am on legal aid, and I was struggling. So that's why two weeks before I went to Citizen Advisor Bureau and I complained about my situation. And I said I don't. I am foreigner. I don't have any information about law and other things. So Citizen Advisor called to my uh, solicitor, and she this. This, she said she is a foreigner just help her and that time now she serve a land registry application uh, okay. serve, make application and serve to land registry, uh, land registry. sorry my english is not very that's good. okay that's okay yeah. i mean all, all you can do is keep emailing your solicitor you know i'd be just emailing every day to say look really need to get to speak to you hope i can speak to you later and then i'd email the next morning you know i really need to speak to you <laughs> um that that's all you can do i can't really help you with that that's not a legal issue it's just unfortunate what i will say legal aid solicitors are so incredibly busy they are so busy <laughs> yeah. they, they they definitely don't do it on purpose yeah their workload is is phenomenal anyway i hope that's helped asia okay you're welcome right guys i'm going to go over into the children's forum and we're going to answer some questions in here hopefully some short ones (laughs) Uh, right first one up is ian mc123 posted it earlier on today at 5 p.m Uh, Ian says, I have a court order for my son, age nine, and all has been fine for a number of years. I live in a two-bedroom property and previously two girls, 14 and 12, stayed in one room and me and my son shared the other room. I have recently had another child, so I've moved my son into the room with my daughters with a divider between them. They are all happy as they get to see their baby sister on the days they are with me. My son's mother is saying she isn't happy with the kids sharing a room, even with the divider. My question is, can she do anything about this? The court order doesn't state anything about living arrangements, just where my son spends time with each parent. Ideally, I will find a three-bedroom house soon. I'm looking every day, but it's hard to come by. Ian, not really. I mean, the kids are getting to an age where they should really have their own privacy. But if you're only having them, you know, typically alternate weekends, so two nights a fortnight, you know, it's not going to 
cause any hardship for them all to bunk up together. It seems to me you're doing the best you can putting dividers in, so you are giving them a little bit of privacy. You know, if, if they were living there permanently, then obviously that might need to be looked at. But you're doing the best you can. Can't you do anything? No, not really. Um, you know, she can take you back to court, but it's not it's not a welfare concern. Um, you know, it is what it is. And good luck with finding your three bedrooms. Um, right, Hippie Witch Bryony, um, and that's what she's calling herself, uh, posted me a question today at 